Hello, beautiful people. I'm Callie, and this is season two of Girl Uninspired, the podcast where we talk about channeling our beings, finding our niche, and what we do about inspiration. Hi, welcome to episode five. I'm here with Nick Bustamante. Did I say it right? Yep, that's it. <laughs> All right, um, you want to go ahead and introduce yourself? Sure. I'm Nick. I'm a professor of art in the School of Design at Louisiana Tech University. I'm also director of the VISTA Center, which is the visual integration of science through art. Um, And I teach a variety of classes here at Tech. Mm -hmm. Also, full-time artist, so can't forget that. Um, And your sign? Oh, sorry. My sign is Aries. Yeah. No, you're good. Um, So can you go ahead and describe a little bit of your job and like what it entails? Sure. So um, when I first took the position, now going on 15 years ago, it was um, a teaching position. And academia is a little bit strange in that you take the job as a teacher, but as you advance, you do less and less teaching and more and more administrative work, which is probably the least fun part of my job. Mm -hmm. So my job right now, um, but important and impactful. So my job right now is I teach um, six classes a year. But then I'm also in charge of scheduling all the classes for the studio art program. We're going through an accreditation process right now and Mm -hmm. a bunch of other kind of boring things that go along with it. But again, it's it's really amazing to be a part of um, part of this bigger vision or helping shape the bigger vision of the school and then also the university to to be able to have that kind of influence has been really awesome. Mm -hmm. And so um, for context, you were my studio uh, painting teacher last quarter. Yes. Um, would you like to kind of describe what your teaching style is? Oh, I think you'd be better at talking about that <laughs> than me. So what, what I try, okay, what I attempt to do or what I, in my mind I want to do is create a comfortable learning environment. So it's um, learning, in the painting class, it's really more about technique and skill building than it is about concept. I also teach, I've taught conceptual design, I've taught classes, advanced level painting classes where you kind of merge the two, but foundation painting is really about building up those skills. So what I attempt to do is to create, again, a a kind of a safe, comfortable environment where students feel like they can make mistakes and overcome those mistakes. I think one thing I, I know I say probably at least 20 times in a quarter, at least teaching painting, is that the painting is going to go through a bunch of ugly phases, it's going to look bad before it looks better. It's just part of the process, right? Mm-hmm. I think anything that's worth doing is going to, you know, and you're investing in, it's not always going to look pretty, at least art-wise along the way. I mean, maybe that could be the same and that could be applied in other areas or disciplines, but I feel like if it doesn't go through that that phase, then you're not taking risk, you're not pushing yourself any further, you're playing it safe, and I think playing it safe, you're always is you're always going to kind of not live up to your potential. Mm-hmm. So what would you say is your most enjoyable part of work? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go back and see what, what do you think my teaching style is. You've, okay. had, you've had multiple teachers, right? And so I know mm-hmm. everyone brings their own strengths, and that's the great thing about having a diverse range. So what, mm-hmm. what would you call my teaching style? Um, I think it's, it's definitely like hands-on, as like most studios are. Um, I've noticed that a lot of studio teachers teach the same, mm-hmm. not intentionally, but like there's a certain environment that's created when you have to actually like lay something in 
and figure out whether it's precise or whatnot. And so um, what I found is that, you know, usually I work and I just do something and then that's when the professor comes back in and they're like, okay, this is this is how you can make it better and this is what's maybe not so successful. And so I think, I think that's a good way of learning, but yeah. The hands-on, okay. Mm-hmm. I'm just curious. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I do okay in lectures, but I definitely appreciate like the, the critiques and whatnot that is involved in studio classes. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> so um, what would you say is your most enjoyable part? Oh, um, watching students grow. I think it goes mm-hmm. over, it's not even a favorite class or, you know, I think it's like watching students develop the skills, but over, you know, four years watching a student come in as essentially in my kind of almost a child and then leaving as an adult, you know, mm-hmm. and I feel like um, at a university that's part of our, our job is to not only teach the skills, but there's a sense of mentorship, right, and advising to make sure that students um, go through that transformation and by the time they leave they're able to succeed outside of school on their own you mm-hmm. know um, so one of the things that I'm really proud of that I've developed with uh, my colleagues so it's not just myself but it's the group of us working together to make this happen was in the studio program we now have a series of capstone classes where it's developing a portfolio um, talking about marketing yourself and also um, creating essentially uh, uh, educational experience to really prepare you for applying for jobs after you leave. So when I first came here, um, you know, again, almost 15 years ago, uh, it was like you took your last drawing class and, or, draw, or painting class, or whatever, and it was like, see you later, have mm-hmm. fun. You know, like we taught you all the skills, it's up to you to figure out life. Um, and there wasn't a lot of, and it's not hand-holding, right? It's more of like letting students know how the world, in, at least in art or art careers, like how it works outside of school. Because if we're not, be- if you're not being told or taught that in here, then you're left to your like figuring it out on your own. Unless you're lucky enough to have um, a, a strong mentorship with somebody or parents that follow that same kind mm-hmm. of path or career. Yeah. Um, what would you say is your favorite class to teach, if you have one? If I have one, um. I mean, they're all challenging in different ways. Like, I think, uh, you know, it's just like I want to play the easy card and not say one, right? So, uh, <laughs> like painting, I, I, I really enjoy teaching, teaching that beginning uh, oil painting class because for me personally, painting is when I fell in love with art. You know, it was like my chosen medium. And every time I go back to the very basics, it's like I kind of relive that a little bit. Mm-hmm. And so... Um, I know it's not painting's not for everybody and some people take that class and are like nope I want to be sculptor and it's like that's okay <laughs> and like that's the way I was with ceramics for instance in college like I have a hard time thinking three-dimensionally my ceramics were just absolutely terrible and that's fine you know you don't have to be good at everything um, so that has like a special place for me that I really enjoy even more so than the advanced level stuff um, the advanced level stuff is challenging in, a, in an interesting way that helps students uh, kind of find their own vision in the work um, and then the digital painting class we're actually sitting in the the newly uh, developed vista lab so um, digital painting is a class that i developed i guess now five years ago um, and i was self-taught and kind of learned enough to teach the students and and it's really awesome because i'm you know it's like this new skill that i'm passionate about that i'm sharing with the students 
but also, you know, it's still, I'm still learning. It's like fairly, five years is not a lot. So it's st I'm still learning as I go. So as I learn things in my own practice, I bring that back into the classroom. So um, it's like, I think those two classes, even though maybe like, okay, one's digital, one's analog, it's more of like where it was in my development as an artist. So oil painting for me is like the very beginnings of when I, you know, so I think I painted now for, oh Lord, like over 30 years, you know, so it's like, I'm not, I, it's not like I'm not learning new things, but the, the growth is like exponentially slower than it is a digital painting just because mm -hmm. it's a new medium. And when you have a new medium, it's like there's so much more to kind of take in. Um, so on the digital painting end, then it's like still learning these new things and then sharing it with the students versus like, you know, I've, I, you listen to me, this is how you do it because I've done this, you know, it's been the same thing. Mm -hmm. It's like, I think the medium kind of um, allows for that kind of growth to happen too. So uh, I think my, this isn't a question that you're going to ask, but I think my biggest fear as an educator or just actually just as a person, right, is to be in a position where things get stagnant, where... I wake up and I go to work and it's the same thing and I'm going to teach the same thing and it's like the mm -hmm. syllabus never changes, the schedule never changes, the projects never change. Like that is like a level of hell for me, you know, like I just, my personality type, I don't think I would enjoy that and then too, it's like, I think, you know, we've all had hopefully good teachers, but we also have all had teachers that were kind of felt like they were there for the paycheck mm -hmm. and I mean, I, I think that that's always a danger when you're in this role is that you kind of get comfortable and so I think um, or I know that I've made sure that I've taught classes and changed things up enough to make sure that that doesn't happen I'm so paranoid about it I think if anything I make it harder for all myself is to keep redeveloping things. Mm -hmm. So going back to what you said about being self-taught how did you take classes to learn or yeah so it's um yeah so like self-taught I guess like uh you, you know it doesn't happen in a bubble right so mm -hmm. it, it was um online a series of online classes and then reaching out to um colleagues of mine uh or friends that ha do it just are, are, were just really giving with their time to kind of get me up to speed and so it's something that I was always interested in doing um I got a tablet and I was like, oh, I want to play around with this. And the students in my advanced level classes were like, are we ever going to have a digital painting class? And nobody else was doing it. So mm -hmm. I said, well, I'm, I'm playing with it. We'll see. Uh, but really, the push for that came um, like the stars aligned, right? Uh, when uh, I was approached by science faculty, so uh, biologists and a micro, or I'm sorry, a biological um, engineer. And they, they came to me and they were writing a book and uh, or writing a chapter of a book and they were looking for somebody to do an illustration and so I, I you know hadn't done anything like that before in my life and I was just like yeah that sounds interesting let's do this and um, so very quickly working with the client it's like if you're using traditional medium and they say okay because uh, I'm not a scientist if if, I, if they look at that and say okay well that's great but that's that cell needs to be a half inch bigger or the color's a little off it's like okay like or it has to be moved over by an inch moving something over by an inch in digital is like half a second moving something over by an inch in traditional medium could be hours could be like, yeah. like just give up right so it was like it kind of forced my hand in a way maybe not forced my hand like if I wanted to like do it and do it right I really had to start converting to digital if I wanted to explore some of these opportunities so that's really what fueled that and then mm -hmm. through that process it was like wow this is like I think that these things I was still looking at it from the point of view of a traditional artist. So 
I was thinking like, wow, I mean, this could really be helpful to the painters in my classes that like, you know, so how I was using it to begin with, besides the client work was I would take pictures of my paintings that I was working on and trying to solve, you know, and going through the studio, the battle of the studio process, mm -hmm. take pictures, and then I'd manipulate it digitally and go like, okay, this works, okay, awesome, I solved it, and that just saved me half hour of sanding things out getting frustrated moving around so it was like this so I, I approached it I still approach it I think from a very studio kind of um, traditional standpoint as far mm -hmm. as the digital materials go and then um, that developed ended up developing into a a larger um, a, a component of the first digital painting class meaning that um, that that working with the client and with the sciences so it was, you know, we, we met and it was, um, again, an engineer, a biologist, and myself, and it's like we spoke completely different languages, right? And it's like through our engagement, um, we like really, re we realized that in order to explain the stuff to each other, you know, one, I was teaching them art and they were teaching me science, but it made me understand kind of what I was doing in the process even better. It was like this really cool, I mean, it was just a really good experience. So we, th we thought, oh, this would be awesome. And it was at the same time I was starting to teach that digital painting class. So, and it still is this way. My final and my digital painting class is working with a client from the science that come in, present the sciences, and then it's up to the students to then visualize that um, and in a way that communicates the science clearly and effectively. Mm -hmm. That's really cool. Um, with with being self-taught, per se, like, do you worry about, you know, someone questioning your credibility of teaching this, especially because it's fairly new? Yeah, oh, yeah, ab uh, yeah, absolutely. So, um, so I think, like, I, I think it's more on my end than, than really worrying about a concern with students, you know? I feel like, you know, the first time I taught it, it was, you know, everyone had a different computer, everyone had a different version of Photoshop, and it was like, they all had questions and I did not know the answers to, mm -hmm. and I, this happens every single time I teach this class, and now I'm, I'm okay with it, my feelings aren't hurt, I'm not insecure about it, because it's like, I, I don't know, you know, it's like, if you have, if you're you running CS4, which is many, many moons old, on a old Dell, like, the keys and the way that it runs is totally different than what I see on my screen. So it's a little bit of like, so that's maybe like some beginning things, you know, mm -hmm. but as far as um, <clears throat> being, you know, a student challenging me as far as like, well, you didn't go to school for like five years for this. It's like, yeah, um, I made sure that I did enough digital work, one that I felt confident in doing that. Um, and also I had a number of pieces published by that time too. So it was mm -hmm. like, self-taught or not self-taught it's like i'm getting illustrations published in these like prestigious journals you know it's kind of like mm -hmm. i mean that kind of is a jerk way of saying it but it's like at least no, for me it gave you. me some confidence that i can do mm -hmm. this um and i'm really trans i i feel like i'm pretty transparent with my students you know like everyone knows i tell them that you know like whether it was year two year three year six it's like i'm still as far as like the big the grand scheme of things i'm still fairly new to this and like if students find, hey, there's an easier way of do, uh, of changing whatever, like a selection tool, or hey, I found this really cool brush, or I did this, like, it's like awesome, and it's like if it makes sense, and it actually is something that makes sense to the class, then we stop, and we all kind of share that knowledge, you know, mm -hmm. but I still feel like, um, you know, whether, whether it's, so it's not like a free-for-all, like people are teaching me, so I don't want to yeah. get the, but it's like, it's a, hopefully a comfortable environment where I'm teaching, like, the basics and also teaching my workflow but mm -hmm. there's oh there's enough there's um room for 
for additional kind of voices in that. Um, and I grab a graduate student right now and I've assigned her to do presentations on some things that I'm just not, I just don't use in my own workflow because I've kind of gotten into, again, talking about the, the fear of being stagnant, right? I've kind of got into this thing, A plus B plus C equals whatever, mm -hmm. you know, it's like, it works for me. But there are other ways of approaching it that maybe um, spark some uh, different way of looking at it creative wise, you know, or maybe even quicker, you know, so it's like kind of being open to that. And yeah. so I feel like if anything, the newness is newness of it has kept me a little bit more flexible as far as that goes, you know, because I know that some professors would be, you know, a student raises their hand and, you know, says, you know, hey, you know, that selection thing they just showed us, there's like a shortcut, there's this way, you know, it's like, as a, as a professor, I could either be like, no, like I'm the teacher, you're gonna sit there, you know, it's uh -huh. like, no, like let's, okay, let's have a, sometimes though, like students will do that and it's like, I was like, all right, cool, all right, everyone do it and they do it and it's like, it messes up and it's like, that's why it doesn't work, you know, so sometimes it's a teachable yeah. moment too, you know. Mm -hmm. um, so, but uh, yeah, it's like the training and then now the years of that is like, and I'm gonna be going through the same things uh, coming up for, so I'm developing an intermediate digital class right now where I'm spending the summer to real, I've been working on it here and there, but really immersing myself into 3D sculpting software and then also AR. So I have, mm -hmm. I found not only, you know, online courses, but also um, friends and colleagues that have that experience that are gonna sit down with me from different areas. And the summer allows me to travel and go to them to, to learn these mm -hmm. things. So that's gonna be like the next step. So I'm gonna be doing this all over again next year. That's like, who the heck are you? It's like, well, mm -hmm. this is, what I'm doing and hopefully you know the people in the class really want to learn too mm -hmm. um, which I, I think too is like it's a little bit different than like just watching videos online right so it's like when I watch you know because otherwise why go why to go to these classes if I'm learning online and they bring it to the classroom why not mm -hmm. students cut out the middleman and just do that it's like um, when I watch these these things I go through it multiple times to really have a clear understanding of it and there's so many times when I'm going through an online lesson where even on YouTube where they do everything and it's like one of their buttons in is in a different place or Photoshop recently upgraded or like something just isn't working or I'm not understanding something and like I can't raise my hand and the YouTube dude comes over and says mm -hmm. hey this is what you're doing wrong hey try this or whatever you know and it's like that hands-on is really like it makes it a little less intimidating I think for students um, and hopefully that that's the difference you know I wish I had that you know I wish I had that experience mm -hmm. when I was learning the, the programs and stuff. So I asked a question about uh, credibility because I find that there's um, a lot of hesitation to self-teach or something mm -hmm. teach yourself something because you know you may be worried about how other people like like oh you don't really know that because you know you taught yourself kind of thing so I was wondering if um, what what you would say to someone who is maybe interested in something and wants to learn about something but is has that like hesitation uh, well I mean it, I'd say absolutely I mean there's so many free resources and mm -hmm. you know there there may be a come a time where at least it gets you kind of familiar, I mean, just with digital painting, for instance, you know, that maybe you get to the point where then you feel comfortable and confident, it's like then maybe, whether it's taking a full-blown class or reaching out to somebody in the field that you have some base and knowledge that you'd feel more comfortable asking those questions to take it to the next level, you mm -hmm. know, so like, 
you know, if I if I had never touched Photoshop digital painting and I wanted to do digital painting, I would, if I took it, you know, if I if I called up my friend and said, hey, I want to learn how to do this, and it's like, okay, well, you open the program, and it's like, where's the program? You know, it's like if I come in with some base knowledge, then that makes it a little bit easier. But if you're talking about like street credit, you know, in the arts, you know, it just really depends on what you want to do with it. I mean, I think it's like maybe a bigger concern for me because as an educator, you know, kind of I think that role. But as far as like, you know, I am not like, okay, so if there's tons of opportunities for young artists to, to show their work, right? Mm -hmm. I don't think you need to go through four years of school to show your work in a gallery space. I don't think you need to do that to sell your work at an art fair. I don't, like, I, I really feel like, you know, the four-year degree is like you're really specializing in your skills, you're building them up. Hopefully you have a leg up on the competition of mm -hmm. artists that haven't gone through the four-year program. But I think for me, at least, it's like more of really giving you the training and experience for the next step as far as like career-wise. So I think if you're an artist and it's kind of like a hobby and you just, it's something you, you enjoy doing, but you're not necessarily going to rely on making money the rest of your life on it, then mm -hmm. I think absolutely. I think, um, and you, those people can still do that without going to university. I think the university absolutely give, helps and gives you a leg up. You know, it's like that degree means something. It also opens up the opportunity for you as an artist to apply your skills in, in maybe ways that you hadn't thought of, right? So there's teaching, and I've listened to a few of the season one, or a lot of the season one podcasts, you know, so it's like, you know, it's come up a few times about teaching. Well, it's like, what else am I gonna do? I'll teach, or I'm not interested in teaching, or, you know, I'm gonna show my gallery work. Well, it's like, while you're here, you're learning how to, to you know, to document and how to um, the art of visualization, right? To communicate. So if you look at it as far as communication and creative problem solving, those skills can be applied to a lot of things, a lot mm -hmm. of diverse things. Unfortunately, a lot of those diverse things have the the minimum requirement of an undergraduate degree, right? So, um, including freelance work. You know, a lot of times clients will shy away from somebody that doesn't have, you know, at least a an undergraduate degree so mm -hmm. it just opens up makes it a little, things a little bit easier but by no means I think that that should hold people back it's like self-taught or you mm -hmm. know I mean whether it's online or from a friend or in a classroom I mean it's just whatever makes sense to you okay cool um something that happened in in our class uh last quarter was that there were there was a young a group of young children that were brought into the classroom mm -hmm. um and i really thought that was cool on like how art was being presented as something that was pursuable as a career mm -hmm. um so how did that come about like happening so um that actually uh my wife was the one that was running the, the program mm -hmm. um that's called acdc and it's a outreach program for like maybe not outreach but it's a program for for fifth and sixth grade students that are interested in art and basically um, once a month they meet and they work on projects but she teaches them it at like a higher level so mm -hmm. it's it's like they, they they have homework exercises she talks about color theory but one of the things that she does that I think is amazing is that she'll take them around to the different classrooms that uh, that are currently being uh, classes are being held in college you know and so um, and everybody's a little bit different whether they walk the, the students walk through and kind of look at uh, look at the work and that's it or in in our case you know I had the students kind of engage the, the younger students engage the older students and then you were one of the ones that I kind of picked on in a, a fun way um, 
that just uh, one of the things I try to stress with them is like to look at you know I showed them final finished pieces then also showed them the pieces that were being worked on and again my whole thing about things have to look ugly before they look better mm-hmm. you know and that it's like part of it is like as an artist a lot of the hard work that we do is in our studios alone but it's you, you don't but when you're in a classroom you can't hide all your mistakes it's all out there for everyone to see right mm-hmm. so um, kind of walking through with them and so I, I love doing that in fact they're meeting right now over at the school I don't know if you were over in the main building but they're walking around um, but yeah no and I, I think that more time I, you know I hopefully there are more opportunities to do additional things like that with young younger mm-hmm. students yeah I thought that was really admirable um, can you talk a little bit about your like life influences or things that have gotten you to this point okay um life influences okay so uh in high school i didn't know what the hell i was gonna do i'm a first generation college student which means my mom and dad didn't go to mm-hmm. college in high school um i don't i grew up in california and um i guess that doesn't matter but uh <clears throat> so there was at least the high school that i went to there were uh like the smart kids that were gonna make it and then there were the the kids that you know that they just kind of wanted to get, I felt like they just want to get out the door, you know, it's like mm-hmm. they won't, they won't be our problem anymore. And so the counselors would have, you know, very targeted, you know, these events that not everybody was invited to, they would kind of go over, you know, college applications, but they had already made the decision that there were some people that just like to keep the, they, they weren't even going to bother giving the information to, mm-hmm. you know, so now, and, and I fell into that group, right? So like I applied to college late, didn't know what the hell I wanted to do thought mm-hmm. I was like, well, I like art, I might as well try that. Got into uh, Humboldt State University, which is Northern California. Went there, was like, had no idea like what to expect, had no idea, like it was just, it was, it didn't take me five years to get out of there. I learned a hell of a lot very quickly. Um, there I had uh, a mentor who was a painter when I fell in love with painting that really kind of like took the time to, to walk me through some of those things. Um, once I got to the university level there, I found, you know, out of necessity, and this is one of the things like, I feel like if, um, I guess besides in college or anywhere, it's like, if you're having trouble with something, you know, and if there are resources there, I mean, and they're free, mm-hmm. for the love of everything good, like don't, don't be too prideful and like seek things out, right? So mm-hmm. I eventually, after, you know, a few weeks of knowing that I'm drowning and either I was gonna fail out of college and move back with my parents and live with them forever and work at Subway Sandwiches or something, which is fine if somebody <laughs> does that for a living. Um, not what I wanted to do. Uh, I, yeah, I sought out, you know, they had, uh, you know, counselors, career counselors. They also had um, a, a student organization that was for first generation students because knowing that like I didn't have mom and dad to call up and be like hey so this thing with these fees and this other thing and these like register and then, mm-hmm. there was no nobody I could do that with um, so that was that was amazing and helpful um, so once I once I got done with that it was like what am I gonna do next and my painting professor said well you know, what you could do is, you know, go on and increase, you know, the next level would be to increase, you know, your skill building and that would be through grad school. So um, I, I just didn't know honestly what else I was gonna do. So I just went to, I, got, I applied to a bunch of grad schools and got in. Um, I chose a grad school based off of the people that I wanted to work with, which I took a little bit more control over it versus 
when I got into undergrad is like I just didn't know what the, I just was like whatever I just got in and did it mm -hmm. um, so I ended up going to Cal State Long Beach and then while I was there at Cal State Long Beach um, my job to get me through graduate school is I actually worked with um, this program called EIS which is educational information systems that does basically a service that I desperately needed when I was in high school so my job was I would go to um, a selection of high schools around kind of um, the like the South Bay um, Los Angeles area and um, and go to their school and I would have uh, tar we would target first generation students or potential first generation students or really it was open for anybody but we'd make sure that they got they knew that this resource existed right mm -hmm. it's just another way of putting it so my job was to walk them through what the heck FAFSA is you know how to apply for colleges when the due dates were what was a mm -hmm. college essay what was expectations what are the things that career-wise they wanted to do and how to get so basically it was like I took that on as like I was really it was awesome to actually be able to help people out and also to come to their with that story of like look I know like this is scary and you're thinking like I'm not the person that like I'm not the straight-a student but it's like mm -hmm. sometimes you know you, you students like find their their place and maybe it's just they haven't found what they're passionate about yet so that's why the grades are reflecting that um so anyway so i was in that just still didn't know what i wanted to do besides practice art um ta for a class because a professor asked me that i thought i'd be good at it and then really enjoyed it and kind of again kind of had that moment where i was like wow okay this is really this is something i could see myself doing i'd really be interested in pursuing this and then i after graduate school i spent a year at community colleges teaching adjunct um I put out an application to close to 40 places um for teaching gigs because uh, mm -hmm. it's really super competitive in la so usually you need you know three to five years experience so I put out applications all over the U.S. knowing that or thinking that I was going to do that, get three or four years experience and move back to L.A. to be competitive. So that was the goal. Um, got an interview top listed at out of the 40. Um, I got shortlisted to 10 of those. And then I got site interviews with five and then chose to come to Louisiana Tech. So uh, first time I ever set foot in Louisiana was during my interview. Second time was I rolled up here with a U-Haul. So um, I think that, you know, as far as like life goes and what got me here, I think that all the, the, the things that I'm really proud of and I feel like um, and things that I've really invested in are things that I've got. It, I, it's forced me to get out of my comfort zone mm -hmm. and really push myself further. Right. So it's like, you know, I have students I work with right now that are really talented, but the thought of them even moving 20 minutes away from Rustin is like crippling. Right. Yeah. And so it took I mean, I really don't honestly even think about it. It's like I moved here not knowing anybody thinking I knew what Louisiana was. It was swamp people in Mardi Gras. Rustin is neither of those. <laughs> right? Uh and so but then so I got here and it was just like the class sizes are way smaller than in a bigger university or city um, I was I quickly was able to develop classes on my own which wouldn't happen in other places and I just I just started, decided to double down and, and stay here and, mm -hmm. and make a career out of it that's awesome so but yeah it was not <laughs> it's not an easy path to get mm -hmm. here at all something that um, that I try to like keep up with is pushing myself out of my comfort zone, like making myself uncomfortable, um, because I find that that helps me like move in different ways than I would have. Mm -hmm. And that makes sense. Does 
do you have anything to add to that? Oh God, I mean, yeah, like I said, everything, right? So the things that I am most like proud of is like being a first generation college student that mm-hmm. now is a full professor at a university in charge of a program, which is like, those high school counselors in my high school didn't see that one coming. Yeah, I know. Go back there and write them. Tell them to suck it. Look. No, no. It's uh, a... The other... Okay, so another one was, um, you know, this was maybe eight years ago. I got a call in my office and it was somebody that was in the uh, woman from Homer, Louisiana, which is a very small community up in northern Louisiana, that said... um, we're looking for somebody to do a mural. Would you be interested in a mural? And I was like, yeah, I've always wanted to do murals. I don't mm-hmm. have an experience doing it. I was honest, but I don't have an experience doing murals. She said, well, it's already designed. It's just the person that designed it is just doesn't feel comfortable getting up on scaffolding that has to be that high to do it. So, so I, I said, well, okay, is there, a, is there a budget for it? And she said, yeah, there is a budget. It's, you know, 3500 And I'm like, done. Sight unseen. This is awesome. I'm going to paint a mural. I've always wanted to paint a mural. Mm-hmm. I'm going to get paid good money for it. I drive out there and just about piss myself because the wall is humongous. It's over 150 feet long. And she was, she just was like, I don't know. It's like, it's a big wall, you know, like maybe like 30 feet. Oh. Well, not 30 feet. So again, learning experiences, right? So even though you always get, I mean, it's getting out of your comfort zone and maybe, um, but then also <laughs> kind of get learning as, as I go. So I went out there and I was like, oh my God. And the surface, the wall was terrible and it was like three stories tall. And oh it was my like, gosh. so um, again, so it's like either, either I could say I made a horrible mistake and that's it. So that's comfort zone. But also it was like, I accepted it as a challenge. I said, okay, so the way I could get this done is if I had student help. So I went back to the university. I asked if I could get some students to do a direct study with me. Um, and then I approached the students. I said, okay, so it's driving 45 minutes to, out to this place. We're going to do this thing. But it's like we put our name on it. It's our thing. And they, I got five students to, mm-hmm. to agree to do that. It was my first mural uh, thing ever. Um, we ordered paint and some supplies. And the paint and supplies came up to almost three thousand mm-hmm. dollars. So my budget was thirty five hundred dollars that I was going to get, you know, major bank off of. Mm-hmm. Um, when everything was said and done, I did my taxes and I actually lost like almost two thousand oh, dollars on no. it. <laughs> gas and mileage and everything else. Um, now, when I when I go back and change that, you know, it's like. Yeah, no, I, I really would. I mean, yeah, I lost $2,000, but I, I now can say I did a mural, and that is developed into a whole bunch of other awesome things. And mm-hmm. I honestly think if I would have went back and realistically said, okay, this is a $15,000 mural, there's no way. That town would never have a mural. There is no yeah. way that they would raise, be able to come up with that. I, I don't think, right? So it was like one thing that I really, you know, was like engaging the community because we're out there like twice a week painting on this thing. It went past the semester and all the students stayed out and painted with me on this thing. It was like this investment of this thing that's going to last like a really long time and the community took pride in it. And it was just like Mm -hmm. this really amazing thing with public art. But since then, so that was my first one. But since then I've done uh, between Whitney Causey and I and Whitney was actually one of those students that did that first mural painting with me. That's yeah, awesome. so it was like the five students, and now she teaches at Tech. Um, and so Whitney and I created a mural painting business along the way. So we've done class stuff, but we've also done that. We've done now 14 murals in the North Louisiana area, and mm-hmm. um, one of them is the mural across from Utility. That's like an all like 
the the Rustin like uh, or a lot of uh, Rustin advertisements kind of become part of the identity of Rustin, which is kind of a really cool thing to think that I had a hand in that, and that would have never happened mm -hmm. if I didn't get out of my comfort zone and take a risk, you know, to do that. Yeah. Uh, the 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 third thing is the Vista stuff, right? So I said that I was in a, a in a classroom with a biologist, or in a meeting with a biologist and a biomedical engineer. You want to talk about being intimidated? You know, it's like one, I've never done this before, and two, you know, it's like you look around and you know you're not the smartest person in the room by a stretch, you know? Mm -hmm. um, but what they've taught me is that, you know, that there is a need and a power in, in communicating visually, you know, that maybe I don't have, you know, the science skill sets, but I have a skill set that is valued, and like I've worked really hard at this university to help bring light to that you know and I feel like it is being recognized and respected you know it's not like the step kid off to the side you know that shoved in the corner you know whatever it's like it's actually it's part of the conversation you mm -hmm. know and so part of that as an artist was just being able to to be okay or like recognize that because I think oftentimes as artists we're just like you know somebody asks us what we do and we kind of say art you know we kind of whisper and we kind of get meek about it you know it's like something that it's like oh we're waiting for them to be like oh what are you really going to do with your life yeah you know? and like for some reason like that's viewed as not being have the same amount of value as something else and i don't think that's the case you know so mm -hmm. at least uh, at least that's one of the things i'm hoping to get my students to recognize too is that there's other ways of applying this and it is a valuable skill set that's awesome do you have um any advice that you would give to the listener? Uh, I mean, besides getting out of your comfort zone and taking those opportunities because they're not going to come all the all the time. I mean, I can't. You know, things I, I've done. I mean, you know, I have taken risks. I've got out of my comfort zone, and, they, and they're, it's not always ended. You know, like turned into bigger things. But when they don't turn into bigger things, or I get into it, and it's like, oh, I really this is not what I would have thought it was. Mm -hmm. You know, then it's okay to back off of that as well. You know, it's like. I think until you test things out and you see how far you can push yourself, you don't know, you don't, one, don't know how good you're going to be at it, right? And then two, you don't know if you like it or don't like it until you try it. So there's been a few things mm -hmm. that I've kind of tested out and tried and it's like, it's not worth me putting my time into, you know, and I don't think that's initially a failure. I think it's just being smart and knowing what you want out of life. Mm -hmm. um, and that's like, the sooner you can get to that point and be honest with yourself, it's not what other people want for you in your life it's what you want out of your life mm -hmm. um and i don't know how old i was maybe it was like last year that i figured out what that was um but i guess it's always like looking you know reevaluating that i think it's surrounding yourself with with passionate um people that are interested in the same thing or like if you say you want to get to a certain place in your your career or um, like it, with arts it's like you want to I'll just use art as an example right so you have the artists that are like in their studio all the time working you know and taking responsibility for their actions and just like in it right and, and always like they're hungry for it they want like be around those people right don't be around the people that just have one excuse after another and just want to bitch about everything under the sun because mm -hmm. lord knows there's enough of those people out it's like you surround yourself with people that are doing things and are that give you energy rather than drain all your energy mm -hmm. That makes a world of difference and I guess like to even take that to the next step further is and this is like gonna be maybe a little bit oddball um, advice but your significant other the person you spend the most time with the person that you want to invest your time in make sure 
that like if they do not have the same ideas of what a life looks like or what they want to get out of life no matter how much you care about that person I think you need to like move on to something else right mm-hmm. so as artists in particular we are we're in a we're a bunch of weirdos right so we do a lot of our stuff and it's by ourselves so in a way you know I've been in relationships in the past where it was like art was viewed almost as a mistress you know it's like oh you're going to the studio again oh you're going to do this oh you can't do this why well, I need this and it's like this thing that they're almost jealous of you know uh-huh. and that because I mean and that becomes just like another thing that keeps kept me from making art and do and doing pursuing my passion and what I really wanted to do you know um, I was really fortunate enough to find somebody that they you know they, they say that behind every good man is a good woman I guess behind every good anybody is a good somebody else right mm-hmm. so um, but it's like when I when I found her and she's also an artist and understood that and really we had the same idea of what kind of life we wanted to build together mm-hmm. that has been I mean having that kind of constant support and encouragement like mm-hmm. allows me to do the things that I'm able to do you know so I think like um, having a hard look at that I think a lot of times people don't look inwards when it comes to that it's like always like how do you get successful it's like surround your people but surround yourself with people that that will do that for you and encourage you on a mm-hmm. daily basis you know things aren't always sunshine and rainbows but for the most part you know I think it's it's pretty pretty mm-hmm. amazing to be around those types of people yeah you have to find someone that's going to help you bounce back from the times that aren't sunshines and rainbows yes 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 mm-hmm. And if you if that person right now in your life will not do that, you know, and you can't depend on them, mm-hmm. I think cut the cord as quickly as possible and run. I wish somebody had given me that advice through mm-hmm. many years of long-term relationships that, like, I spent, you know, I should have gotten out of within a year, you know, and I drug out for five years, you know. It's just, mm-hmm. like, life's too short to, like, deal with that. Yeah. Yeah. Do you have any questions for me? Oh, you're gonna flip it on me um so it's the i'm assuming that the the podcast series is kind of you know because it's girl uninspired right Mm -hmm. um that you're hoping to find inspiration in in others so out of the interviews that you've had i mean what have you found um discovered about yourself through talking to people about their experiences that's a good question um i think so I, I feel like I put a lot of pressure on myself. Um, I found that in talking to others, a lot of people don't know what they're doing. Um, and that the people that I view as successful are people that, you know, even if their idea isn't great, they're going to go at it with all that they can. Um, and also, you know... Don't be afraid to, like, ask for help in in doing something that you want to do. I've also learned that, like, and this isn't through anybody, but more so myself, is, like, it doesn't have to be perfect to, like, be tangible or be good. Mm -hmm. So, like, with this podcast, it's very much something that I don't put a lot of pressure on because I want it to happen. And I know that if I... I know that if I like put a lot of pressure on it, then it wouldn't. It would. It would uh, be stagnant. It wouldn't move. Mm-hmm. And it's something that I really hope grows. Um, like I'm, 
we're on season two now, but I can already see myself like lining up people to do season three, and I can already see myself like thinking of concepts for season four even. That's awesome. And like it's it's something that you know if I worried worried too much about it, it wouldn't it wouldn't grow. So. And it becomes another valuable skill, right? So mm-hmm. this is another bit of advice besides just unsolicited relationship advice, right? <laughs> is, um, <laughs> is, you know, it's like, yeah, I mean, it's not, there's nothing, nothing wrong with asking for help and seeking out help. But also what even makes it better is when you have a skill set or something to bring to the table, right? Mm-hmm. So it's like whether it's like you want to learn more about art and now you've developed this, it's like, there are ways that you can now, you bring something to the table to increase collaboration and mm-hmm. like this, these bigger kind of um, the projects to be tied into, you know? So yeah. I think it's just another thing that you feel comfortable with. And mm-hmm. the fact that you see see it down the road, I mean, it shows that this is something worth pursuing. Because if you can't see that, if your vision doesn't yeah. go farther than next year or next month, mm-hmm. pro- again, back to the whole everything else I've said, if you can't see that or you vision that, then it's like you're, I think you're going down the wrong path. Yeah. That's really helpful to hear, like, just the fact of, like, having ideas for, like, future episodes means that it's, like, going to do something. Yeah, it's, and it's worth you pursuing mm-hmm. because you see it in there. And and, it, and what's really cool about it, and I would say, I want to go on record right now as the one that said this, right? So it's, like, like I don't think you have any idea where this is going, meaning, like, the potential for this, is, I think, is way bigger than what you are, are realizing right now, right? Mm-hmm. Like, I think, like, even the fact that you see five years from now, you're still coming up with ideas, but, I mean, maybe it is a, a you know, a video. Maybe it is, all of a sudden, you're thinking about a bigger audience, a different audience. This mm-hmm. is getting way further out than you ever expected. I think that there's a lot of potential here, you mm-hmm. know, and that's, like, hearing your passion and your vision, I think that's going to happen in Thank a good you. way. I think that Thank there's, you. like... You're going to look back in five years and somebody's going to be doing a podcast about you and you're like, you know, it just started as like, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> it was, yeah. I just wanted to talk to people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, but I mean, that's how it starts. I mean, I just think that there's, it's going I, to, I think it's going to be bigger than what you think. So I'm awesome. excited to see where it goes. Thank you. Um, so how can the listener find you? Look at your work that you've done or if you have a social media account? Yeah, yeah I'm old. I don't have social media accounts. So I do have... A website, which is my last name, BustamonteArt.org, which is the easiest name to spell ever. So I don't know if you could put a link on mm-hmm. the site. I, I can, but would you mind spelling it? Sure. It's B-U-S-T-A-M-A-N-T-E. Okay. And I had to look up to make sure I'm I spelling was like, my name right. Yeah. It's your name. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but um, awesome. So thank you so much for being in my podcast and um, for sharing because I think this was really good. Cool. Um, well, thank you for having me. Awesome. Hey, lovelies. You just listened to an episode of the Girl Uninspired podcast. Thank you so much for your time and for your support in my journey with this podcast. If you like it, you can follow us on Instagram at the Girl Uninspired Podcast. There's an underscore in between every single word. Um, and if you have any comments, questions, or material, you're more than welcome to message us or email me at CallieKRobbins3 at gmail.com. That's C-A-L-L-I-E-R-O-B-B-I-N-S-3 at gmail.com. Thank you so much for listening. It means the world to me.
Bye.